Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries, where we show you how to work smarter, not harder, because busyness does not equal profitability. Join our conversations where we show you how to decrease stress, take more time off, and have more fun. Hi, my name is Amy, and I'm a personal practice coach for the Brady Group, and I've been in your shoes. I have the pleasure of working with several dental practices across the globe, and you know what I've discovered? Everyone has the same challenges. I'm excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. So guys, we're finally thought out here in Texas. We had quite a week last week. It was pretty exciting. Uh, you guys up north, I know, are just laughing at us and think we're just the biggest wimps, but, uh, and we are, <laughs> we are, I'm not, not denying that, but it's been quite an adventure. We um, were without hot water for a few days, so we were living on the prairie and boiling water to bathe. We at least had water, so that was a blessing. Um, we did not, however, have, uh, you know, our internet was, was out for the most part. Our phone service was a mess, cell service, everything. You know, we couldn't really even text. It was just uh, kind of an adventure. We were fortunate in that we had power, um, just not internet or uh, anything else like that. So they had rolling power outages, however, where every so often we would lose power. So it was kind of like, um, uh, people that were experiencing those, those rolling blackouts, <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, you have 15 minutes to charge everything, to make a fast meal, hot meal, to do whatever you needed to do. And so, uh, we heard some interesting stories, but, uh, we finally made lemon lemonade out of the lemons and we got outside and, uh, my one daughter that's at home with us and my husband who was working remotely or trying to work, <laughs> Um, whatever that looks like with uh, no internet and no cell service. We um, finally got out and made some memories and had some fun. So all in all, it was a good week, uh, but we are back on track. So I wanted to share um, some thoughts with you today. And uh, the title of this podcast is 13 things that must happen in order to succeed in the case acceptance process. And so we're going to break those 13 things down in future podcasts. We're going to break them down even further. So we'll, we'll just hit the tip of the iceberg today. But let's talk about these. Number one, starting with the phone call, new patient interview, your first contacts with uh, potential new patients, there ought to be conversation and questions being asked that uh, uncover the patient's desired end result benefits. Okay. We need to uh, in, you know, start the process of asking questions and finding out what motivates them, what's important to them, what do they value. And uh, again, we'll kind of break this down again down the road. But if we don't start with the first contact in, headed in the right direction, then we're probably stealing ownership from the patient. See, the Brady Group he, here, we are very um, huge proponents of a patient-centered system. And if we are telling patients what they ought to do, should do, how we do things, uh, we are just ripping the ownership right out from under them. And when we do that, it really handicaps your case acceptance process. That's when you hear continually, well, what will my insurance pay? Which one is the worst one? Uh, can you prioritize this for me? Well, it's not hurting. <laughs> you know, that's when you hear that. And, and those of you that are very, um, you know, big 
proponents of education. I'm not dog, dogging education. I'm just saying if we lead with education, it's our idea. Okay. It's we're up here on this pedestal because we we know all, see all, experienced all. And we're telling this poor little patient who has a low dental IQ what they should be doing. That's not a real good culture for, you know, a, a positive situation or experience for your patients. And, um, you know, we'll talk about education again in a future podcast. But again, I'm not saying Nick's education. I'm just saying don't lead with it. Let's lead with being curious, finding out what patients want. And that's what I mean by establishing in the, in the beginning desired end results that the patient is seeking. So that's number one. Number two, focus on the emotional aspect over logic. Okay, this uh, kind of ties back to, again, that education. Uh, you know why uh, patients want the end results that they shared. And that's what we want to discover is why is that important to them? What benefits do they see in accomplishing, uh, you know, a, a situation where they don't have any dental emergencies? What benefits do they see in uh, keeping their teeth healthy? What benefits do they see in um, avoiding cavities or you know, whatever it is that they have told you initially, hey, I'm coming in to get my teeth clean because I want to know if I have cavities. I'm coming in to get my teeth clean because I want to keep them healthy. You know, and so again, uh, let's dig a little bit deeper. What exactly does healthy mean to them? Um, what benefits do they see in, in doing that? How would they like for you to help them keep their teeth healthy? Focus on the emotional aspect over logic and, and the process, okay? People make decisions emotionally. We present dentistry and educate logically. So there's a disconnect there, all right? Focus on the emotional aspect. A big part of that emotional aspect as well is, is building the relationship, okay? If we don't connect, over the phone, if we don't get their name first, which we've talked about, if we aren't um, connecting on a personal level, if we aren't finding out about their lives and not just their teeth, getting to know the person, treating the person, not the disease, if we aren't doing that, then we're missing out and we're not connecting on an emotional level. All right. The third thing we want to focus on is a paradigm that is wants-based versus needs-based. Okay. Everything we offer to the patient uh, or any solutions that we propose should be because of their desired end results benefit, uh, desired end result uh, benefits, not because we always do it or the doctor wants it. Um, again, this can start at the very beginning of the process where we say, well, here's what the doctor is going to want are some updated x-rays. And what we normally do on a new patient visit is blah, 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 blah. It should be Hey, I hear you. And based on what you want to accomplish and what you've shared with me, x-rays would be a great part of that process in, in helping you get what you want. Is it okay if we take those today? Uh, all right. So anything that we propose, even x-rays, photos, whatever it is that your process is, even starting at the very beginning, it ought to be based on what they want, not what we think they need. Okay. Here's the, here's the little secret. They're really two in the same or one in the same. You're really talking about the same thing. It's just, let's take their route instead of ours. All right. Let's be curious instead of uh, bombarding them with all of our knowledge. Okay. You're going to have a lot better outcome when you can base those solutions, even simple things or diagnostic things on what they want to accomplish. 
All right. Number four, avoid the three P's. <laughs> Parts, process, and procedures, uh, also known as techno talk. Um, again, let's jump past all of that and say, okay, you know, we're going to get past all of this and find out what's really important to you. I had a conversation on Zoom with one of our um, all access member practices yesterday, and they were talking about how, you know, patients that um, were scaling and root planing candidates, but also had a lot of other treatment to do, they are uh, basically patient comes in, they say, yeah, you know, I've got some sensitive areas. Uh, I may want to whiten my teeth. And then they look at the patient and say, oh, well, you have gum disease and you need scaling and root planing. Or um, they were calling it a, uh, oh, what did they call it? A, oh, just a more intense cleaning or something like that. And so anyhow, um, they were getting into the process and saying, well, we can't whiten your teeth just yet, or we can't look at doing anything cosmetic um, or doing anything else because your gum tissue is not healthy, blah, blah, blah. And here's why it's not healthy. Here's what's going to happen if you, you know, they just kind of went on and on and on. Really, again, what I mean by jumping past the three P's and focusing on the des desired end result, they should be asking questions like, well, how nice do you want your teeth to look? Other than just white, how healthy do you want them to look? Uh, you know, any dentistry that you want to accomplish, how long do you want it to last? How many times do you want to have to, you know, repeat you know, procedures or how many times do you want to have to work on these teeth? And so by asking those questions, the patient obviously is probably going to respond by, well, I want them to look really nice. I want them to look healthy. Say, great, we can do that for you. And we want to whiten your teeth. We want to look at these other cosmetic possibilities. Is it all right if we include treatment to get your gums, gum tissues really healthy so that we have a good foundation to work with? That way, you're going to have a really nice looking, long lasting result. What do you think? Okay, so again, let's get away from those three P's and focus on connecting to their motivation and the desired end result benefit. All right, number five, utilize photos. And I'm not talking about pictures of one tooth blown up big as life showing all the cracks. All right, we want, that's going to sell single tooth dentistry really well. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying there's never a, a situation where you might do that, but what I'm talking about in terms of photos would be a full uh, upper and lower arch, occlusal view, exaggerated smile. And, um, you know, we provide templates and uh, other materials and resources for our members uh, to, to do that. But it's really easy to set up a template. The, the other component here is not just pictures of their mouth in its current condition, but to include in that template pictures of a patient that you've been able to help. And uh, by showing patients photos of their mouth, they, they have ownership, okay? They're able to look at those pictures and say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my teeth were so yellow when they see the comparison photos. I didn't realize um, could see that silver when I laughed or when I smiled or I didn't, you know, they, they begin to start looking at things. And um, again, that's photos are emotional. If we try and uh, give them, you know, radiology 101 and show them how to read x-rays and show them the dark spots and the shadows and all that stuff, that's technical. Okay. Photos are emotional. Let's stick with the photos. All right. Number six, 
Don't confuse the patient with options, but rather a plan that best suits their desired end result benefits. All right. If we have a patient with a missing tooth, for example, and we give them plan A, B, and C, you can uh, do a partial, you can do a bridge, or you can do an implant. Um, and here's the you know, cost of each. Here's, you know, educate them as to the procedure, all that stuff. Again, getting really caught up in the three P's, that doesn't make any sense. If you confuse, you'll lose. And if you present options, you're confusing your patient. They have to think about it. They have to check with their insurance, talk with their spouse. It's too overwhelming. And then when they finally do decide uh, on a solution, basically, you know, you have, um, you know, basically presented these three solutions. So in, in their mind, you are okay with any of those three. All right. And so here's what I would suggest. Instead of offering options in the beginning, find out, <laughs> you see, there's a pattern here. Find out what the patient's objectives are. You know, you've got this missing tooth. Tell me, have you thought about how you want to replace that? Um, are you wanting something that is fixed or permanent that doesn't come in and out? Uh, tell me, you know, how you feel about the teeth around that. If, if we could do that in a way that doesn't um, affect or involve the teeth on either side of the missing tooth, what, uh, what do you think about that? You know, continuing to ask questions so that based on their answers, you can say, we have a perfect solution based on what you want to accomplish. And here's what it would look like. All right. Now, if you get to the point where they say, oh, my gosh, you know, that sounds great, but that's a lot of money. I can't afford that. And we exhaust all the resources and so on. And then they say, is there another option? We could say, absolutely. It's not going to help you achieve what it is you wanted to accomplish. But sure, there are some other things. So don't confuse them with options. All right. Number seven, handoffs. We have to communicate. If we're going to take time to gather some great information, yet we are not handing off, we're going to be in a in, in a pickle. Here's, um, uh, again, another conversation that I had this week with a practice that we work with pretty closely. They uh, just were finding patients weren't scheduling treatment. And I asked a lot of questions. I said, well, tell me what's happening. What are they saying when they're checking out or what is their... What's that conversation look like? And they said, oh, money. Nobody has money. No one has any money. I said, okay, that's interesting. And then the doctor was saying, well, but Mrs. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so this past week, you know, they seem to really be ready to go. I don't understand why they didn't schedule. Well, my question was, did a handoff occur from the, the back to the front when it was time to schedule? Okay, because if they're speaking one language in the back and then they get to the front, and um, the front office is basically having to start from scratch and find out what, you know, you know, presenting the fee, doing all of this, and then trying to get the patient scheduled. There's a disconnect. We're losing steam, guys. And so there has to be, and on large cases, doctors, you just really need to help set your front office up for success so you can help more of these patients. You ought to be the one walking the patient up and handing off. Here's what a handoff might look like. Susie, front desk person, Mrs. Jones here is ready to get started. She told me she would like to begin with the upper right. Um, we talked about uh, helping her accomplish all of her goals, big picture, and the total for that is $12,000. The upper right's going to be $3,000. I would like to see her my first available morning at 8 a.m. for about two hours next week. Mrs. Jones, is that, are we on the same page? Is that what we discussed? Anything else you need from me? 
All right. And so that's a final close, guys. Okay. If we're not closing, if we are not um, getting, you know, to the point where we can say that in a handoff, then we're dumping on the front desk and we're just setting them up for failure. So let's help them out. Registration is now open for our April 8th virtual front desk goddess retreat. It's an outrageously innovative event exclusively created for successful dental practices that want to minimize the hassles of insurance filing, statement sending, bad scheduling, collections, phone shoppers, low case acceptance, high overhead, front desk bottleneck trouble, and other stress monsters. Just call me, Amy, at 800-592-7239 to register. Oh, and you can mention this podcast and that'll save you $50 on your registration. Okay, so we have talked about one through seven, um, the first seven of 13 things that must happen in order for us to succeed in case acceptance. So we're going to pick up with number eight. You are talking less than the patient. All right, we have, uh, you guys have heard of the 80-20 rule, but in many different respects here at the Brady Group, the 80-20 rule refers to the fact that um, patients should be talking 80% of the time and we should be talking 20% of the time. Again, if we are talking most of the time, which is typical in dental practices, we have ownership. And again, remember, if we truly are operating under a patient-centered system, then we are there as the patient's guide. Okay, we are helping them uh, make decisions to accomplish what they want in terms of an end result benefit. So here's the thing: every patient wants straight, white, healthy teeth surrounded by pink, healthy gums. Okay, they want teeth that look good, feel good, and and last forever. Nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants ugly teeth. Nobody wants um, you know unhealthy disease in, in their mouth. But the problem is we uh, aren't really very good at allowing the patient the dignity of sharing what's important to them. Okay, We impose our value system on them all in the name of education to increase their dental IQ. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> you know, as, as I talk with people, their, their biggest complaint is we need one of two things. We need to increase case acceptance or we need more new patients and we need more new patients because we you know, need more, quote unquote, at bats because our case acceptance isn't all that great. If you will stop talking and you will allow your patients to talk and you learn the right questions to ask, I promise you your case acceptance will increase. Hey, don't assume your patients need to know all of the technical aspect of treatment in order to make a decision. Don't assume your patients need to know the stages of periodontal disease in order to schedule. Hey, that is not the case. Focus on talking less and listening more. Um, Open-ended questions are a great way to do that. Again, we'll do a, a future segment on specifically on open-ended questions, but asking patients, hey, tell me why it is that you wanted to get your teeth cleaned today. Uh, what's most important to you when you think about your teeth? If we were to fast forward 10, 15 years from now, what do you want your teeth to be like? How important is it for you to prevent emergencies? How do you see us helping you keep your teeth healthy? Okay, giving them the dignity to come up with their own solutions. They can't tell you, yeah, I want to, I think I'll have some scaling and root planing and 
um, a root canal and a couple of crowns and, and buildups. Uh, that sounds good. You know, they don't want to buy your procedures. They do want to invest in the benefits that those procedures that you offer provide. And so that's what we want to focus on. Number nine, this is going to be controversial. I'm telling you, doctors should quote the fee. Now, you guys, uh, front office people, team members are probably going, oh, no, we don't want our doctor getting involved in finances. I'm not talking about getting involved in finances. I'm just saying your doctor with confidence should be able to quote the fee. And this garbage said, oh, I don't know what my fees are. Well, bullcrap, this is your business. I mean, really? That, that just from a patient perspective <laughs> sounds really stupid to me. You know, I mean, have the confidence to be able to, in your business, tell your patients what uh, their financial investment's going to be for what they want. And then let your supporting team work out the finances. I'm not saying you get involved in that process. Um, I We were talking to a, a fairly new practice down in Florida that we're working with, two-doctor practice. And when I first proposed this to them, they were like, oh, no, oh, no, we, mm, we're just not comfortable with that. Well, fast forward eight months later, and um, one of the doctors told me a story last week. He said, I did an experiment, Amy, said I had five, four or five patients. And uh, he said on two of them, I purposely did not quote the fee. On the other two, I quoted the fee. The two that I quoted the fee to scheduled and scheduled full treatment. The two that I didn't quote the fee to are kind of lost in the, the mix somewhere. They didn't commit. So I'm telling you guys, it works. Um, anyhow, that's something that we can certainly coach you on and, and work with you on because I know it's different than most consultants suggest. It's different than most of you have ever been, been doing. And again, I get it. The practice I worked in, I did not want our doctor quoting the fee. <laughs> Um, but once we worked through that process and he began quoting the fee with confidence and we simplified that, I mean, we definitely had to round up our fees, make it easy, support him in that. And, and there are lots of ways to do that. But bottom line, we have better case acceptance. All right. Number 10, your closing is effective. You know, closing is a sales term. And I, I used to cringe when I heard about selling dentistry and sales in dentistry. I'm like, you know what? People either need it or they don't. Um, but the bottom line is, guys, you, you offer a discretionary service. Okay, Most of what you do, and I'm talking in the 95% range, <laughs> most of what you do is discretionary. There are a lot of people out there without teeth and they're just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, and we would, I know we would beg to differ and, you know, we would get real high and mighty in, in terms of the um, issues. And I, I totally understand. And it's, you know, there are legitimate uh, systemic concerns when we talk about the, the health of the mouth. But um, bottom line, you're competing for your patient's discretionary dollar. And if you don't believe me, then how many times have you been frustrated that a patient didn't schedule treatment because they were going to Disney World? Or, you know, somebody won't uh, commit, but she's got all kinds of, of uh, beautiful jewelry on. Or someone just bought a new car, so or they're about to purchase a new home, so they can't do treatment. All right. You know, we are competing for our patient's discretionary dollar. And so, you know, if we're not... Um, if we don't think we're in sales, we're, we're making a horrible mistake. So again, number 10 is we're asking decision-making questions. 
also known as closing questions in the sales world. And that's just a routine part of our conversation with patients. Uh, again, we talked about doctors closing in the back, in the clinical area before we hand off to the front. Closing questions are very simple. Um, are we on the same page? Is this what you had in mind? Uh, when would you like to have this finished? You know, it's just asking for a commitment or a decision. It also helps uncover unspoken objections. When you ask a patient, hey, when would you like to have this completed? Well, you know, I got a lot going on. <laughs> you know, I have three kids in college right now and money's tight. Okay, I totally get it. What if we could spread this investment out and make it comfortable for you so you don't have to pay it all at once? You know, we're able to uncover objections that way as well. Number 11, you don't introduce detail. Again, um, we talked about if you confuse, you'll lose. We talked about uh, offering options. Basically, not introducing detail uh, beyond what the patient um, requires eliminates confusion. I suggest you do not pre present a treatment plan that's a detailed laundry list that your software spits out, but instead a simplified plan. It's something as simple as you know total investment for uh, dentistry, X amount. Okay, you can have some lines underneath that where you break that down for the patient based on what they want to accomplish. Uh, whiten teeth, uh, remove and replace old fillings um, with long lasting, you know, tooth color material. I mean, whatever you want to say. I would even get away from using terminology like crowns. Um, perio, you know, all of those things, if, if you think about it, um, patients really don't understand exactly what some of those things are. And I think we pigeonhole ourselves and we um, put ourselves in a position, you know, get in some quicksand, having to then educate or explain procedures when a patient says, well, what's perio? <laughs> uh, what's endo? Um, what's a buildup? You know, it just opens a can of worms that uh, puts us in a position to have conversations that really confuse. Number 12, don't lead with insurance. Okay, It's addressed when the patient brings it up as a supplement rather than a decision maker. Um, again, we've talked about insurance before on this podcast. We'll talk about it, about it a whole lot more. And, uh, you know, we've been trained to start the phone conversation with, do you have insurance? What insurance do you have? You know, everything that we do in, in so many of your practices is leading with insurance. We make decisions on insurance, therefore patients make decisions based on their insurance. Stop talking about it, okay? Uh, you can go back and listen to previous podcasts, uh, several of them that focus on insurance and how to have that conversation with patients. Just don't lead with it. This is going to be really scary to some of you, but I would suggest you even leave it off the treatment plan. If we bring the focus to insurance, uh, we're just setting ourselves up for patients to make their decisions based on insurance. Then when they say, oh, well, how much will my insurance cover of all of this? If it's a big plan, it's really easy. Just ask them, well, do you know what your maximum is? Either they do or they don't. If they don't say, well, looks like great news here. You've got $1,000 to work with. Let's talk about how we can help with the rest. Okay. All right. Number 13, last but not least, um, if you're going to succeed in case acceptance, 
then uh, restorative reservations are secured with payment when the patient schedules. See, you may have a lot of patients that seem to have accepted treatment. Um, believe it or not, there are patients that will schedule treatment just to get out the door and they fully intend to cancel. And that leaves you in a pickle. So uh, when patients commit financially, you know they're committed and you don't have to uh, lose sleep the night before an appointment where you've blocked three hours and wonder whether or not that patient's going to show up because they ghosted you when you try to confirm them and you have no financial commitment. All right. So again, I understand that's a process. We will talk about that more in detail. But um, bottom line, if you're not asking for a financial commitment when patients schedule, you are overall uh, hurting your true case acceptance because you will have those patients that develop what we call the financial flu. They wake up the morning of their appointment. They um, say, oh, crud, I got to go see the doctor, the, the dentist today and I have to get a shot and uh, I have to write a check for $1,200. I'm not feeling so good. And then you get those calls uh, when you get into the office that they left at 530 that morning or 10 o'clock the night before saying something came up and they had to cancel. So that's what we want to do. Uh, again, we'll kind of recap the 13 things. Focusing on desired end result benefits, establishing the phone call and first contact. Number two, focus on the emotional aspect over logic. Number three, Adopt a wants-based paradigm versus a needs-based paradigm. Number four, avoid the three Ps, parts, process, and procedure. Number five, utilize photos to allow patient ownership. Number six, if you confuse, you'll lose. Don't offer options. Number seven, handoffs, always in front of the patient. Number eight, the 80-20 rule. Patients talking 80% of the time, you 20. Number nine, doctor quote the fee with confidence. Number 10, Always ask closing and decision-making questions. Number 11, don't introduce detail and confusion with itemized treatment plans. Number 12, don't lead with insurance. And number 13, ask for a financial commitment when you schedule. That's all we've got today, guys. See you next time. We'd be honored if you would subscribe to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries, rate our podcast, and share it with your friends. From one goddess to another, this is Amy signing off.